Welcome to Quantum Christianity. I'm David, my wife Joanna. We have a virtual church media. We do a live broadcast on Wednesday nights in Central Florida. So we're coming to you, and you're either hearing this on audio or video on YouTube or Vimeo or on our healing school. We have virtualhealingschool.com if you'd like to subscribe to that, virtualhealingschool.com. Tonight, I'm excited, and here's why. Because last week, we spoke on the prophetic, how to recognize and identify and how to properly receive a prophetic word. And that's so important. That's one side of the coin. We talked about word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits and prophecy and how prophecy is really hearing from God and then communicating not just the Father's words and mind on the matter, but also his heart. He's filled with a heart of love. The Father loves you just the way you are. He loves me just the way I am, but he loves both of us way too much to leave us in our current condition. That's why he always grows us from faith to faith and grace to grace and from glory to glory as the path grows brighter and brighter and he makes us stronger and stronger in our walk as he transforms us into the image and likeness of his son. That is the Holy Spirit's job is to transform you and me into the image and likeness of his son. The enemy, on the other hand, his job is to try to twist us, try to derail us in our faith or derail us in our destiny so we get off that path of righteousness. So God sends real prophets to help bring us encouragement, edification, and strengthening. And the enemy spends, sends false prophets to try to derail us, twist us up, make us angry and bitter or give us false hope where our dreams are crashed. So tonight, we're going to talk about the other side of real prophecy, which is false prophecy and false prophets. So tonight, the message is entitled, Three Types or Three Kinds of False Prophets. Are there only three kinds of false prophets? No, there are probably many different types. But tonight, we're going to highlight something out of the book of Jude that talks about three kinds of false prophets. And this is what the Bible says in Jude 1.11, reading from the New King James Version. It says, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. They have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit, and they perished in the rebellion of Korah. So we have three different warnings. One is Cain from the book of Genesis. Two is Balaam from the book of Numbers. And three is Korah from the Old Testament as well. And we'll get into that. But I want to highlight something. The Bible says in Romans 15, 4, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Romans 15, 4, New King James Version. So the Old Testament is there. What? It's written for our learning and that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. There's over 330 Prophecies. I believe it's 333 Old Testament prophecies on the coming, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, the miracle signs and wonders, the 
the different things, including the virgin birth, that are prophesied in the Old Testament. And we know we have the real Messiah because he fulfilled them in the New Testament. So it's really one book, the trusty 66 books of the Bible between two fine Corinthian leather covers and the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So that's why we look to the Old Testament to better understand the new. So woe to them for they've gone the way of Cain. They have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Jude 111, New King James Version. I want to read this from the Amplified Version, which amplifies it even a little bit more. It says, Woe to them, they have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Cain represents the self-willed man. I did it my way. There's God's way and then there's our way. There, the Bible says in Proverbs, there's a way that seems right to, the man, to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So we can either do it God's way, and he always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ Jesus, or we can do it our way and we can go around the wilderness for 40 years. How many want to make that 11-day walk from Egypt into Canaan land and be done with it and take the land? Well, God's trying to get the Egypt out of us in the process, delivering us from a, a slave mentality, get the wild in us out through the wilderness, and we enter into the promised land so we can sit down and inherit all things. God says uh, we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that works in us to both will and to do of his good pleasure. So we work it out and God works it in. So our salvation is in our spirit man when we're born again, and then as we work that out through repentance, changing mindsets, getting pride out of our lives, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life, what happens is God works his humility into us, his character into us, the nature of Christ within us, and then eventually that salvation that's in our spirit begins to flow into our emotions, our will, our imaginations, our mind, our articulation into our soul, and the next thing you know, it begins to shine out of our bodies. So it goes from our spirit man, the Holy of Holies, into our soul, the inner courts, and then out our bodies, the outer courts, and then Peter's shadow begins to shine out of us. The sick are healed. Devils are cast out. Even when we walk by, why? Because it's Christ in you, Colossians 1.27, the hope of glory. How many want more of Jesus in them to now be manifest and flow out of them that the world might know that there's a living Savior Amen. that loves them just the way he loves you and he loves me. I love what Isaiah said. He said, here I am, Lord, send me. So Cain represents the self-willed spirit. And we're talking about progression of false prophets. We're talking about three kinds or three types of false prophets. And we're going to marry these in and see the New Testament counterparts of each, the, each of these types of false prophets. Cain is self-willed, means he's unteachable. The word unteachable is interesting. The Bible says God gives more grace to the humble, James 4, 7. But he resists... The proud. Another word for humble could be teachable. Another word for proud could be unteachable. Another word for teachable could be I'm willing to do it God's way 
another word for unteachable. I already know what I'm doing. I don't need anybody's advice. I got this. If it is to be, it is up to me. Watch me roar. So Cain is self-willed and unteachable, meaning he's prideful and resistant to the things of God. Balaam, as we'll see, is self-seeking. He is greedy. And we see Korah is self-exalting. He is rebellious. So let's go into this. The Bible says these are spots in Jude 1.12, the very next verse. Remember, we say they've gone the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's there. They have been destroyed in Korah's, Korah's rebellion. Then Jude goes on to say, Jude 1.12, this is the New King James Version. These are spots in your feasts of love when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Wow. I'm going to read it again because this is a powerful passage. There's 10 things in here we're going to highlight on characteristics or character traits or the fruit of false prophets. Number one, there are spots in your feast of love or charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Jude 1.12. Now it's interesting here, in the Amplified Version, it says, these people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who only feed themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead. Wow. 10 common characteristics or earmark signs or flaws of false prophets. Number one, they gather with you and may even sit at your table. You say to yourself, well, wait a second. I thought false prophets are supposed to be outside the church. The warnings are about those that are inside the church. Where are they at? They gather with you. They're at your charity feasts of love. And they may even be sitting at your table. Now, I want to preface where we're going to go tonight. As this message comes forth and we look at the 10 characteristics of false prophets, I don't want you to think about Bill and Sheila and Jimmy and Jezebel, or whoever it might be, I want you to look introspectively because the Bible says that we are given the authority to avenge all disobedience only after our obedience is fulfilled. So we're not going to take this teaching and go out and I heard this teaching online and you're doing this and you're doing that because when you point the finger, there's three other fingers pointing right back at you. So let's get it right in our life. And if there's things tonight or if you're listening online during the day, Just ask the Lord to reveal to you and just say, you know what? I think I struggle with that. Lord, deliver me more of you and less of me. More of you, Lord, less of me. Here I am, Lord, send me. So the 10 common characteristics or fruit of false prophets from Jude 1.12 is number one, they gather with you and may even sit at your table. Number two, there are spots or stains in your feasts of fellowship. The word spot or blemish 
they're, they're off. There's a, a, an iniquity pattern in them. There's something about them that, that, that disrupts things at the table. Instead of being in unity, they've always got a dissenting opinion. They've always got something to say to derail the conversation or to put the focus back on them instead of the Lord or in derailing from somebody else getting set free or loved on or delivered. Number three, they feed themselves instead of the sheep. They feed themselves instead of the sheep. Number four, they're fearless. They don't care about their own flaws. They're not willing to be corrected, nor do they care about what others think. Now, it's one thing to be controlled by people's opinions. It's another thing when you run roughshod over people and you really don't care. But that's one of the earmark signs of somebody who is a false prophet, false in character because we're comparing the character of Christ with the character of a false nature or a false prophet. And by the way, the Bible says you may all prophesy one by one. So we're all called to the prophetic, 1 Corinthians 14, 3 and 1 Corinthians 14, 31. You may all prophesy one at a time. And then let others stand by and judge to see if it is of the Lord. So every believer is prophetic. And when we're yielded to Christ, the nature of Christ shines out of you and me and others get to see the love of God and Jesus. When we're not under the anointing, we're not prophetic. We could just be pathetic at times. And sometimes we're under the anointing and we're not under the anointing. We're just sometimes annoying. So we have to remain in him. In him we live and move and have our very being. So number five, they lack the Holy Spirit water, clouds without water. They lack the Holy Spirit water that refreshes and cleanses others. When you show up on the scene, are you the one that God shines through and refreshes? You're filled with the water of the Holy Spirit. Other people come if they don't have that nature in them that refreshes, and everybody has different gifts, but you should be a refreshing drink of water to people. Your words should be like apples of gold and settings of silver. You should have a word in season to bring refreshing unto him who's weary. should have songs in the night. And I remember, we all have different strengths and weaknesses. But if you see some weaknesses tonight, just ask the Lord. Say, Lord, give me strength in this area. Correct this matter. Because this isn't about everybody else. This is about me and you tonight, Lord. Fill me. I want to be filled with the character of Christ that others might know you and the power of your resurrection, Lord. Number six, they are carried about by doctrinal winds. I call these granola bar Christians. They have these, uh, these doctrines that are flaky, fruity, and nutty, and they're not anchored in Scripture. There's an old saying, all word and no spirit causes a person to dry up. All spirit and no word causes a person to blow up. But a good measure of the word mixed with a good measure of the spirit causes a person to grow up in Christ. So let's be anchored in the word and let's get our helium balloon to rise up so we have a heavenly perspective, but let's not forget to anchor ourselves so we get weird and wild and fruity and flaky and nutty and become bizarre. I have wonderful friends that love the Lord, but every time I talk with them, they've had a vision, they've had a this, they've had a that, and this prophetic experience, and it ties in with the biblical numerology from this verse back over here, and I just can't even follow them. 
And I'm like, but their heart is right, but they're not anchoring things in scripture. And after years of talking to them, they're pretty much in the same place as they've been for years. Then I have other people who aren't so prophetic and they keep on making these little strides and they're stronger and they're stronger and they're stronger. And then one day they get baptized in the Holy Spirit and they grow gloriously like three years in a matter of three months because they're anchored in the word. So it's good to be anchored in the word. That's why we anchor so many things in scripture, but we also give prophetic illustrations. The Bible says, believe in the word of the Lord. You'll be established. Believe in the word of his prophets. So shall you prosper. Second Chronicles 20, 20. So we want to be anchored in the word to get established. And we also want to flow in the supernatural to prosper and move forward, to plunder hell, to populate heaven and to win souls for Jesus. So they're carried about by doctrinal winds, granola bar doctrines, flaky, fruity, and nutty. They also have withered or autumn fruit. Have you ever seen a tree out of season and there's still fruit on it? You're like, oh, that's great. I'm going to go, it just needs to ripen a little more, but all of a sudden it withers before it ripens or it ripens at the same time it withers and it just doesn't have any juice in it or any fruit in it. It's not plump anymore. And you're like, what happened to this? Last month, this was the best fruit I've ever tasted on this tree. And today, I don't even really want to eat it. It's just, it's still fruit, but the grape has become a raisin. What happened? <laughs> so the next phase of false prophets from Jude 1.12 is, number eight, they have no fruit. So they go from autumn fruit or fruit that withers to no fruit. Now they become fruitless believers. Now remember, where are these people at? They're spots in your love feast. They're in the church. And we're going to see the three types of counterparts to each of Cain, Balaam, and Korah and find them in the New Testament. And you're going to find out that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament really is the Old Testament revealed. They're puzzle pieces. They're not two separate books. They're one book, the 66 books, God's revelation of himself to mankind, the progressive revelation. So these are those that have no fruit. They don't have the fruit of the spirit anymore, the love, the joy, the peace from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And they also don't have the power of the spirit. They don't have the gifts of the spirit anymore in their lives because they're now without fruit. And even if they had fruit, it doesn't have lasting impact. Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you're attached to me, you'll bear fruit. My desire is that you bear fruit and that your fruit remain. Today, if you look back on where you were at a few years ago and you've been impactive or eventful in other people's lives, they should be better for it. And there should be lasting fruit in your actions, your business, your ministry, your marriage, whatever it is, if Christ is in you, wherever he goes, he comes to bring life and to bring life more abundantly, John 10, 10. But the thief only comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus comes to give life and to give it more abundantly. First John 3, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. The enemy came to destroy the works of Christ. So which side do you represent on the kingdom? Which side do you represent? And so I believe you represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
One of the other things that you find, and I've shared this in previous teachings, and by the way, as we're talking about false prophets, I encourage you to go back and look at our other teaching on how to receive a prophetic word because it's the other side of the coin. Heads and tails it takes to spend a coin. Kingdom currency, we have to have both sides recognized in teaching so we can recognize the, the cake and ice cream, but also the steak and potatoes. So they have no more fruit of the spirit or power and they have no lasting impact. They are twice dead. Now this is a very interesting passage. And this, this may jolt some of your theology. I'm not trying to make a doctrine out of just reading the scriptures. But it says, they are twice dead. How are you going to be twice dead unless you were once born again? Wow. Do I believe in eternal security? I absolutely do believe in eternal security. Those that endure until the end will be saved. <laughs> you know, so endure until the end. But wow, to be twice dead, the Bible says that these are the types that go to outer darkness and hell to eternity. Even as the angels left their first estate, it's impossible for a man to be once enlightened, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, and have tasted of the heavenly gift of the powers of the age to come, the word of God, and been partakers of the Holy Spirit. If they should fall away, it's impossible to renew them again under repentance, for it would be like crucifying the Son of God afresh unto his own shame and trampling underneath their feet the blood of the covenant. Just like the angels left their first estate and a third of them fell, yet they'd been in the presence of God. Wow, how can that happen? Well, it's not gonna happen to you because we're studying on it so we don't make that mistake, mistake because God's given us the Old Testament and comforted the scriptures that we might have patience and hope. The 10th portion of a common characteristic of false prophets is they're eventually plucked up by the roots when God sends his angel to separate the wheat from the tares. And then it's time for judgment. I've often shared this before, but the three most important things about eternity are location, <laughs> location, and location. <laughs> you want to be in the non-smoking section. So, okay, let's go to Cain. Cain is an unteachable spirit. Cain represents those who are plagued with the character flaw of self-will. Cain's name can be translated fabricator or maker or one who makes his own ways. I sang earlier, I did it my way. If you want to do it God's way, you'll succeed because he always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ Jesus. And if you want to do it your own way, you can do that. But remember this, your best thinking got you right where you're at today. Right. Maybe it's time for us to lose some stinking thinking, get the mind of Christ and let him lead us in triumphal procession. If you remember the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4, Cain attempted to fulfill the sacrifice to God in his own way. People often say, I worship the way I want to worship. I pray the way I want to pray. I'm like, well, do you have it anchored in scripture? Well, I, I have my own relationship with God and think, well, how's that working for you? For some, it's working really well. For others, I'm like kind of scratching my head. Maybe you should try it God's way. So Cain attempted to fulfill the sacrifice to God in his own way. Abel, his brother, offered a correct sacrifice. He gave the first fruits by faith. Abel, or Cain, gave the leftovers offering. Now, this is an interesting passage of Scripture in Genesis 4. It says Cain, it didn't matter whether they brought vegetables or meat. That wasn't the issue. One brought a first fruits offering by faith. Let me give you an illustration. Abel brought the first fruits. He didn't know how much was going to come in in the harvest, but he wanted to honor God with the first. 
They could have had a hailstorm. They could have been wiped out. There could have been a drought. You don't know how much more you're going to get. But when he gave God the first fruits offering, he did not walk by sight what was in his hand. He walked by faith and said, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to sow this into God's kingdom. Abel sowed by faith and it was pleasing unto God. Cain, on the other hand, it says at the end of days, he brought an offering. He had enough. His storehouses were good. God blessed him and he came and God gave the the leftover. So I I often illustrate it this way if I just, because this actually happened to me one time. I was we were on a three-day fast. We'd come off this fast and there was this pizza and we were going to devour this pizza. It was going to be so good. And here's what happened. As we were sitting down, the three of us, to devour this large pizza, uh, a friend of ours walked in and he hadn't been fasting with us. And I was thinking to myself, oh boy, you know, we're really hungry after three days. And what happened was, um, what happened was we didn't really want to share our pizza. <laughs> because we didn't know if we were gonna have enough. And we were hungry and we deserved our pizza. But here's what happened. Instead of eating the pizza and getting full because our stomachs had been shrunken up for three days, we prayed over it and then offered the guest before we ate ourselves the first piece of that hot pizza pie. And he's like, oh no, I couldn't. No, we wanna honor you. He took a slice and he ate. He said, wow, this pizza's really good. We ate it and it was so good. And then we ate another slice. Long story short, we still had two pieces left over when we were done. See, but we honored him with the first slice, not knowing if we were going to have enough, being hungry. What if we'd have ate in front of him, been full, and then said to him, well, we've got some leftovers if you want it. See, that's not honor. Cain didn't offer a sacrifice by faith and honor God. He offered God the leftover pizza after he brought his whole harvest in. So guess what? You can give God the first fruits, and then if he blesses, you can also give him in the the other, in the back end, you can give him an offering as well. But do you see the difference in the spirit? And when you don't offer correctly and somebody else offers by faith, it's really an issue of faith versus no faith. It's an issue of walking by faith versus by sight. And what happens is when other people are accepted by God and you've slipped off into that what's in my hand versus what's in God's hand, you become jealous if you're not careful. Now let me show you what happened. God's way which pleased God, when God tried to bring correction to Cain, redirecting Cain to the proper and pleasing way of sacrifice to God, Cain rejected God's way and continued with his own way. God said, if you do what's right, you'll be accepted. If not, sin is crouching at your door. Satan is crouching at your door, seeking to have you. He's looking for a way in. I hear you knocking, but you can't come in, is what I'd like to say to the enemy. Send the Holy Spirit. But the spirit of jealousy entered Cain's life, and then he murdered his brother Abel. The result, Cain was cast out of God's presence and became the first wandering Jew for the remainder of his life. Cain is symbolic of the unteachable or uncorrectable spirit that pervades the church today, one that makes his own way instead of submitting to
to God's way and God's plan and blueprint for his life. If you've had an area of your life today that the Lord's highlighted where you've been unteachable, and this is what I just really am picking up in the spirit. Sometimes we have a pet doctrine or we have something that our denomination taught us and good people in that denomination, yet there's you know a ripple there with scripture. And one of the things is the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Maybe you've rejected that because of some of the flaky, fruity, nutty granola bar Christians you've seen that claim to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't change the fact that it's real. And God wants to empower you today with that infilling of the Spirit. And if you've been unteachable, this is what I'm sharing with you. God wants to fill you with the Spirit and he wants to release that goodness because you're going to need that power in the season that we're in right now. And you're going to need it for the season ahead. So if you just say, I receive right now, because I, I, I just feel a strong admonition that this is the time to receive. And if you shrink back on this matter right now, there's something crouching at their door, seeking to jump on you or in you if you're not careful. Because anything that's not filled with the Holy Spirit leaves room for another spirit. So just say, Lord, fill me right now. I receive everything you have for me. Baptize me afresh with your spirit. Give me fresh oil. Give me fresh power that more of you might be on the inside of me. And it might fill me and manifest out unto others because in this lying, sighing, dying, crying world of destitute humanity in need of a savior, let me be the conduit that fills from your hand to mine and to them that others might know you and be set free. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So Cain, self-willed, the same spirit left unchecked, the same spirit, the spirit of Cain, will lead to self-pity, depression, anger, even murder. If this spirit is in your life, recognize it, repent of it, renounce it, and resist it, which we just did. And if instead you choose to remain unteachable and reject the correction like Cain, like the Bible says, sin is crouching at your door and seeks to have you, you open anyway. We, we'll, we'll just go ahead and gloss over that because I believe God's already dealt with that. Number two, we're talking about three kinds of false prophets, Cain, Balaam, and Korah. This is like a progression of false prophets. These are all from the Old Testament, but they're mirrored in the New Testament. So we're going to see Balaam represents those who are plagued with the character flaw of self-seeking. They're greedy. They're always about me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. Glory be to me syndrome instead of glory be to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Balaam's name literally translated means devourer of the people or conqueror of the people. Balaam carried the genuine gift of prophecy, but chose to use or misuse his gift for selfish or personal gain. He used his prophetic gifting to obtain riches and glory for himself at the expense of God's people. He eventually ended up worse off than Cain, the wanderer, banished from the presence of God. Balaam, on the other hand, was killed suddenly in a battle against Israel. <laughs> the Bible says Balaam died as a soothsayer in battle. A soothsayer in battle, Joshua 13, 22. Soothsayers practice divination or sorcery. The final book of the Bible records these sobering words in Revelation 22, 15. Outside the city of God are the dogs, 
the sorcerers, the sexually immoral persons, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying, Revelation 22, 15. The spirit of Balaam serves self instead of the sheep. His primary goal is personal gain at other people's expense. The book of Proverbs indicates that God blesses the business transactions where everybody gains a benefit. When someone is gaining a benefit and the other one's losing, the loser is either under judgment or the winner is manipulating them out of their money, which is a form of theft or craft. And when that happens, it creates seed time and harvest, reap what you sow, deceiving and being deceived. So the spirit of Balaam always wants to gain a benefit, and it's usually at another person's expense. The danger about this spirit is Balaam is actually genuinely gifted from God, we're going to see. But the spirit of Balaam self-surf instead of the sheep, his primary goal is personal gain. He uses his gifting or her gifting for the purpose of personal gain in one of the four main areas. You ready for this? Number one, financial gain. Number two, political gain. We're not even going to go there right now. Number three, emotional gain. And number four, for sexual gain at someone else's expense. Sex outside of marriage is a sin. Hello? (laughs) Well, you know, we're two mature adults. Sex outside of marriage is wrong. Mm -hmm. Say law, pause and reflect. And by the way, if you don't believe that, maybe you should ask the Lord if it's true. And if... He speaks to you on that and you don't have the spirit of Cain, but you're teachable. He'll set you free and then he'll bring you the right companion. You can do it the right way. And so there's a blessing in obedience and a blessing is withdrawn without obedience. So I'll leave that alone, but praise the Lord. Balaam, self-seeking, greedy. Balaam began as a true prophet of God. This is very interesting. It's not just how we start, but it's how we finish that determines our place in eternity. The Bible records God personally came to see Balaam in Numbers 22, 9. However, after Balaam was tempted by a wicked king to merchandise his gift for Balaam to place a curse on the children of Israel for money, the very fact that Balaam could be tempted in this area speaks volumes as to Balaam's character flaws. Self-serving, self-seeking, self-exalting. God still used Balaam, but not to curse Israel. Instead, Balaam prophesied blessings on Israel in the presence of an evil king who paid him anyway. Important, the spirit of Balaam is genuinely gifted by God. This is the most dangerous spirit, in my opinion, in the body of Christ today. Because it will accurately prophesy today and then use that platform of accurate prophetic words. People will cry, they'll weep, it'll be genuine words, but then it'll be a manipulation for money after that. And they take up some very strange offerings and uh, you have to be a little wise there. Now, God may tell you to sow a, a large offering or sow a seed into a person's ministry and that's great, but when there's a demand and promises for um, you know, certain things that don't come to pass, that is the spirit of Balaam operating because they extracted money from you not at the directive of the lord but at their directive and it extracted money from you and god didn't refill your coffers 
and then they'll blame you that you didn't have enough faith. Amen. Instead of an instant harvest, which often happens when a true prophet of God comes in and deals with financial matters and breaks the back of that thing. So be led by the Spirit. Anyway, uh, the spirit of Balaam is genuinely gifted by God and can be used by God one moment and then used by self or the devil the next. Lucifer was gifted by God, but fell from heaven and took a third of the angels with him. Balaam ministers, Balaam ministers, these ministers that have a Balaam spirit are a mixture. They operate by the Holy Spirit one minute, blessing God's people at the directive of the Lord and operating by a familiar spirit the next, cursing and taking advantage of God's people. This is a dangerous spirit when left unchecked. Again, we're looking inwardly, so it's not in us first. So we get that right, and then we can go deal with things outside of us second, right? Amen. Okay, number three, three kinds of false prophets. Three, Korah, self-exaltation or rebellious. Korah represents those who are plagued with the character flaw of self-exaltation. His name literally translated means bald or uncovered. This is symbolic of one who has no spiritual covering by choice. They refuse to submit to anyone's authority. I, I saw a great quote uh, yesterday. It said, um, talking about pastors and coverings, it says, as a pastor, if I can't correct you, I can't cover you. The person who's unwilling to submit to correction has no covering. Somebody says, well, so into my ministry, I'll be your covering. Are they contacting you when the Lord shows them something that needs to be corrected in your life? I have people, the Lord will show me stuff, and I've been assigned to them for years, and they never sow into the ministry. It's kind of funny. Yet every time I call them, it's pulling them out of a place, and it's just hilarious. And then they're like, oh, I'm going to do this and that. I want you as my covering. But then they go right back into sin because they're uncorrectable. Therefore, they're un coverable. Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? Are you undercover? Get undercover. Come out from under the covers. Okay. Core represents those who are plagued with the character flaw. So this is symbolic of one who has no spiritual covering by choice or one who refuses to submit to God or God-ordained authority within the church. I'm not talking about a denomination. God will assign people to you. Joanna and I are undercovering. My wife and I, we don't make decisions in a vacuum. There's wisdom in the counsel of others. When we, before we went on TV, we were on TV for five years on satellite, you know, uh, cable, internet TV, internet radio. Then the Lord told us to come off. Before we went on, we, we went to two people that we respect and got confirmation from the Lord through them before we just stepped out. And, you know, our first service, I think we were on live TV for an hour. We were thrown in the deep end, like a hundred million homes it was blasted to. And it was just, it was amazing. But we went from 40 highway with 40 people on Friday night to the super highway with 100 million homes, just like that. So you just don't want to step up. Plus there's warfare involved in, in bigger uh, platforms. So are you doing it because God told you to, or are you doing it because you want to go do it? The spirit of course serves self like the other two examples, like Cain and Balaam, but this spirit is rooted in rebellion against authority. In number 16, Korah resisted the authority of God's chosen servant Moses and then rallied 250 other leaders to rebel with him. Now, a leader or a prince in that time, I believe, was over like a thousand people. 
So if there's three million children of Israel in the wilderness, Moses is over the three million. Korah is over 250 princes who are over a thousand apiece. So Korah represents like a bishop over 250 churches that have a thousand people in them. So he's over a quarter of a million people. And what does he do? He rebels against Moses. And he basically says, Moses, who do you think you are? We're prophets also. You're going to lord over us? That's a dangerous place to be. So picture this, a guy who's over 250,000 people in authority, and God put him there, had an attitude. An attitude determines altitude with God. Here's what happened. Korah was eventually swallowed up in an earthquake as they offered strange incense to God. Because Moses just said, well, I don't know. He fell on his face before God. God, what do you want me to do? He says, have him offer incense. You offer yours and I'll have them offer theirs. So Korah and the 250 princes or leaders over those thousands got up. They offered their censers, 250 against one, and an earthquake came, swallowed them up. And everybody's like, okay, we see who's uh, God's with right now. <laughs> Oopsie. And so the spirit not only resists authority of God, but also encourages others to rebel along with it. This spirit can bring quick destruction to a church, a congregation, or itself when judgment falls from heaven, number 16, 30, and 32. So we're going to close out here. Three kinds of false prophets, Cain, Balaam, and Korah. It's interesting to note that Korah was a renowned and famous man in Israel. He was definitely anointed by God. And one of the Lord's prophets, for all we know, Korah may have been just as gifted or being raised up to go to the next level, like in Elijah with Elijah. But his character precluded him from promotion. And I said his character caused demotion. And in fact, it caused him to get swallowed up. And I don't think it was a good indicator that Korah and the 250 princes went up, but maybe they went down. So you don't want to spend eternity down. You want to go up into the non-smoking section. Remember, location, location, location. So Cain is self-willed and unteachable. In the New Testament, his counterpart is Demas. 2 Timothy 4.10, For Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me and is gone to Thessalonica. Demas went and did his own will and ended up leaving Paul. What's interesting is Demas was with Paul watching miracle ministry for six years, yet walked away from the ministry. Pretty crazy, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Demas had the spirit of Cain. He was self-willed instead of God's will. Balaam, self-seeking, greedy spirit. Jezebel, nevertheless, New Testament, Revelation 2.20, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Revelation 2.20, New King James Version. The Jezebel spirit and the Balaam spirit. The Balaam spirit is more commonly found operating through men, and the Jezebel spirit is more commonly found operating in women. But it's gender, it's not gender, gender specific. It's just more likely because of the way God designed women and God designed men. But that Balaam spirit has got a genuine gift, and the Jezebel spirit has a genuine gift. Yet it operates with a mixture. The Holy Spirit one moment, and boom, a familiar spirit the next. Dangerous thing, you got to check that thing. And if it's in you, check it at the door. Check it at the cross. Ask the Lord to deliver you. And 
So Jezebel had the same type of spirit, that self-seeking spirit. Korah is self-exaltation, the rebellious spirit. Diotrephes, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, he likes to be in the preeminent position, does not acknowledge our authority. 3 John 1, 9, Diotrephes had the spirit of Korah. He was self-exalting. So to recap, the three types of spirit are Cain, self-willed, unteachable, Balaam, self-seeking, greedy, and Korah, self-exaltation. Where are you at tonight? Has the Holy Spirit highlighted anything to you? Let's get free so that we can have our obedience fulfilled so we can properly go avenge all disobedience, not against people, but against spirits to set the captives free with the love and the power of God that we might be connected to the vine and that we might bear fruit and that fruit remain. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, reveal anything in us, highlight anything in us, whether it's Cain, that self-will, Balaam, that self-seeking spirit, or Korah, that self-exalting spirit. We know it's appointed for man to die once and face the judgment. We know everybody's going to heaven, but not everybody's staying away from me, doers of iniquity. I never knew you. We want to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We don't want to hear, well done, crispy critter. So we ask now that you would deliver us. We repent for the spirit of Cain, self-will. We repent for the spirit of Balaam, self-seeking and selfishness. We repent for the spirit of Korah, self-exaltation. Deliver us, Lord. And if we've had a Jezebel mindset, free us from that, that we might lead and teach your people to serve you and to come close to you. Holy Spirit, we give you permission now to fill and flood our souls afresh. Remove burdens off the shoulders. If you've never experienced the born-again experience, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, now's your time. He was hung up for your hang-ups. He died on a cross 2,000 years ago. And he died for you and me. And he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you and me just way too much to leave us in our current condition. To just say, I receive you, Jesus. I believe you died on a cross. You were buried in the tomb, and on the third day you rose from the dead. Write my name on the Lamb's Book of Life right now. If you said that prayer, send us a message, uh, prayer at virtualchurchmedia.com, and we'd like to send you some free materials to encourage you in your walk and your faith. And uh, let me just pray one more thing. Father, I pray healing and deliverance. I thank you for the ministry of angels that comes in Right now, I take off the old tattered belt of truth. I release a fresh belt of truth and brand new armor on my brother and on my sister. I bind and break the power of night torments and night sweats. I command viruses in your system and bacteria and influenza. I command those things, even cancer cells. I break the power of those things right now. I command those things that have been floating in your blood to be eradicated with the light of Christ right now. And I speak that which has been a long type of sickness where you've just been lethargic. I break the power of that thing by the bondage breaker, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the living God. And I release the glory of heaven into your body. Father, I thank you for moving in the brain activity, clearing brain fog. I thank you for floaters and eyes 
disappearing right now. I thank you, Father God, for hairs and cochlear fluid growing and regenerating. I speak for bones to regenerate. I speak for heart conditions to be supernaturally resolved. I declare divine heart transplant, divine kidney transplant. I declare new body parts in the systems where you need them. And I declare a spring back in your step. I declare, there's a word of the Lord, a divine oil change from the Lord. There we go. A divine oil change. Divine oil change. Thank you, Father God. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Hey, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up a well within my soul. Spring up a well and make me whole. Spring up a well and give to me a life more abundantly. Well, that just feels good, doesn't it? Amen. Well, I'm David, my wife Joanna, Virtual Church Media. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Go back and look at the other videos and visit virtualhealingschool.com. We've got a healing school there, a subscription base. We look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.